0: The GGBC is brought to you by GG Poker. It's the world's biggest online poker room. They have more players than any other site and it's designed to bring back
1: the fun to poker. They've got the classics like Texas Hold'em and Omaha with games for all skill levels. Yeah, Deck loves Bounty Hunter. Yes, I do. And GG Poker has games that you won't find anywhere else. They run huge tournaments with big prize pools and George... Did you know they actually hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament? What about if you're a new player? Well, George, I'm glad you asked. If you're new to GG Poker, when you make your first deposit of at least £10, you'll get £60 in free play. No wonder they've got more players than any other
0: site. You've got to be 18 or over, and this offer is for new UK players only. Minimum deposit is 10 pounds. Full T&Cs apply. bgamblerware.org. Please play responsibly.
2: Hello, it is Ryan and I
0: was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play
2: for free anytime anywhere
1: This
2: is a crowd podcast. You hit me so hard with the right hand, I didn't know where I was. Why was this your last fight, Barry? What would have happened if you hadn't heard them say that? Being a world champion was almost impossible.
1: But I don't feel like a lot of people know your story. I always knew it was going to be my last fight.
2: I don't even care about boxing. I'm just cared about if I'm going to live or die.
1: Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the
0: George Groves Boxing Club.
1: How do Deck... Once upon a time, I knew exactly what you were going to say, and now you hit me with something different every time. I'll
0: tell you what I'm doing, Dave. I haven't gone all in, but there's a thing called the lion diet. Have you heard the lion diet?
1: No, but I'm interested to hear what it is.
0: All you eat is beef, salt, and water. It's pretty extreme. Yeah. Basically, if you want to, you can just eat loads of steaks and burgers. Right, so I've, I've like started having like a burger for breakfast, steak for lunch, or the other way around. You're trying to work out if there's anything in your diet already that causing you problems.
1: Go do do your best raw. Raw. We know your mates with Mufasa. Did you get in touch with him about this? No,
0: I didn't actually. That was a good shout. I could I could reach out to um
1: Mufasa. Mufasa. Uh, he could probably give you some pointers because I guess he's been doing this for years, just the lion diet. Enough prattling on about the lion diet. Mark Rolf has been in touch. He sent a voice note in. He's asking where to find the ring walk. Um, let's play that voice note here. Hello guys, um, just to let you know I love the podcast, but where can I listen to your um, Ring Walk? I've looked everywhere on Amazon Music, cannot find it. But great podcast, keep up the work, brilliant work. I mean, George, we talk about this every single episode. We tell people where they can find The Ring Walk. You can search it on Spotify, but it's probably not the most efficient way of doing it. The best way is to go on our link tree, and that's where all, all the gold is, of course, the link to the playlist The Ring Walk. So, Mark, go on The link Tree, get it on there.
0: We've prattled on. Let's try and keep this short now, because today's a big one. It's a long one. A good friend of yours, yeah. actually. A household name in the broadcast yeah. world. It's not a two-parter, it could have easily been a 2 part but we're just gonna keep it as one extra long sort of director's cut version
1: of uh, this podcast. Who is it, Derek? It's the life and times of big, bad Barry Jones. Let's get into it, because it's a long one. We've got a lot of ground to cover. The life and times of Barry Jones. I'm looking forward to this, let's get him in. Today we have uh, someone with a
0: unique story, Deck. Oh, okay. yeah. He's been a world champion. He's worked in TV and he's even run a nightclub. Uh, it's the former WBO super featherweight champion, Barry Jones. Barry, thanks Yay! for coming Beach. on
2: the pod. see we're, we're, On the old box station, did you have like a little clap? Yeah, the little. Like, where's, the, where's the clap? Yeah, where's, actually, Ross where's was the that? cheering girls? It got, no, got all clicked. clicked
1: got yeah, actually, we should probably get a clap in, shouldn't we? Yeah. But you're
2: a very busy man, aren't you? You're all over every channel, all the. No, I'm. Shut up. Not busy enough. Not busy enough. It's an illusion. It looks like you're busy. People say, oh, you're not. You're not everything. Your know, channel five the other day, and I'm like, that was last September. <laughs> Do you enjoy that then? Do you enjoy going and getting paid and paying the mortgage? Yeah, no, well, yeah, of course. No, I but love like,
0: it. Would, would, would say one channel, Sky, say you're doing a lot for Sky, or before when it was Box Nation, would that be better because that's like you, you know the faces, you know the setup? No. Or is it more fun to go around and
2: work with different people? I, I think it's better to, and other people will tell you that, like if, when you're stuck to one channel. So I was pretty much Box Nation, so I was pretty much a Frank Warren guy though I wasn't but that's where you can be seen now so nobody really wants to work with you you don't get to see other fights live very rarely and and you don't get to meet other people so you're you're so, especially it's not I'm not a journalist but if you're a journalist it's a killer yeah you can't be seen so you have one. no access have you, you need yeah. access so it's good doing other shows that's good so I'd rather be tied to a channel and a contract you know apart from that working in different areas going to different places is much better
1: we should point out as well by that you're one of the few university liked people in boxing. Hardcore boxing fan can be quite a toxic sort of environment. You seem to swerve it or I don't know how. It's kind of adulation from everywhere. And not only that, people are
2: lobbying for you to work on Twitter. Lobbying companies to get Barry Jones on. I would say, to be honest, if Twitter was... An employment agency, I'd be minted. Mm. But ultimately, I don't want work just because those people, I do want work. What manner of <laughs> I mean, you want to be good at your job and you want to get work on merit. And I understand, like, and my job's weird because you can be good at your job, but I'm not going to get work over Cal Frampton, mm. who's also, by the way, good at his job, but he's Cal Frampton and I'm just Barry. So it's a bigger difference there. So I understand why, you know, if me and him are competing for a the job, there's no competition.
0: You're good at your job for, because you have to be good at your job then, but also because you enjoy being good at your job. You want to give. A fair, good educational account of what you want to end, uh, educate the
2: fan at home, yeah? I know people say they're honest. I got a reputation of being this really honest guy who just will say what he sees, and that's not true. But it's in trying to stay in the boundaries of remember who I'm working for, but sometimes I don't.
0: Once you've said it, is there ever like, oh, no. shit, i get that back? Or yeah. is
2: there. Just no actually, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> it went over everyone's head, but now you pointed out. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> people are not happy. People, I mean, you get told off, so you have to be aware, but I'm not aware. When I'm in it, hey, we all love boxing. But I'm a boxing fan. And if I never boxed, I'd be a boxing fan. Boxing was always just a love for me. It was never about the money. And when it became about the money, not your money, George. I can't talk to him when I say that. Yeah. No, when I went and talked with jo- deck, yeah. when it comes to the money, deck, yeah. right, then I didn't like it. I wanted to get loads of money from it, but it was never that for me. I worked on my career, so you know, I just wanted a bit of fun. So boxing is a passion. My notes, I don't read anyone's notes. I you know like when Channel 5 or, or Sky or BT or anyone, you work for The Zone. I don't. Cause I don't want to read their notes. I don't need to know what he what he did, what his father did for a living, or what nobody had for breakfast. that's no no concern of mine. That's not my job. That's the main commentator's job. I just so mm. I get their record. I watch them, and I should know them anyway. Most of them, because I'm in boxing all the time. But then the ones I don't have a few look at them. Just a few rounds. Just watch a few rounds. But you know, and then I no, just you do. You get a gist for it. Don't get a gist you yeah, of, of an opponent. But if if the other guys, I used with the boxing days, I'd watch like two three fights of everyone, and I get nervous. I don't get. I'm not shaky nervous, but I get nervous for commentary, not for punditry you know that, because Punditry's an easier gig. Yeah, tell, yeah. It, tell us the difference for listeners who wouldn't know, because it's a subtle difference between commentary and Punditry. Well, commentary, you don't have... Ch- no, Punditry, you watch a fight... And then you've got like another five minutes. to. So like, that's the person with the mic. Stood oh, so, oh, so up. That, that's the guys in, in vision. Yeah, the, yeah, guys yeah. In vision. the guys in vision. The guys you see, yeah. So many yeah. people like George are the bigger names would be dependent. The mm-hmm. So they got time to like, watch the fight. Though they don't always watch the fight. It can be, that can be difficult because no, you're sat in it. You know, because everyone's talking. You're watching the fight and talking. So you think, oh, no, I'm on a concert. I'm watching the fight because I've got to talk about it after. But you get a chance to digest what's happened. And then you can you can give like, and you only got like a minute, 30 seconds sometimes to say some stuff, which sometimes is not enough. But it's easier just to give us. You can plan a nice little, you no know, little section of what you're going to say, and, and it'd be sound smooth and articulate if you get it right. Commentary is just reactive, so you might say ridiculous things you know and, that, and that's the worry and also when you have a i talk super fast you're aware that you have to slow down and project what we don't learn because we're not we never went to journalist school or, or broadcast school if there is such a thing we don't know how to project our voices we talk too quiet we're away from the microphone that you no know, especially those lip mics you have to be tight you have, literally have to press it right onto your top lip so all that slowing down stuff it's all those all those things in your mind and be aware that you don't interrupt the main commentator I'll give an example the best work I ever did was the last round of Fury and Wilder 1 when I never said a word because it wasn't my place so John Rawlin did probably one of the best things he had, one of the best rounds he ever did commentary was fantastic after about 30 seconds you no know, Tyson or whatever it was Tyson goes down and he's out he's you not know, the story he goes down he's out he gets up r- risen from the dead and blah 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 and then gets up and, d- and dominates the rest of the round you know, he's going oh, you know, Oh, and he's got up and he's on the floor and he's back and he's gone He's, on, he's, on, he's got him on the rolls and he's doing all his spiel and it's fantastic if I chip in with Well, he just needs to keep his foot on the outside it kills it dead and then I made that round fantastic but my voice is not on it so when it gets played I never get that recognition of being involved with it but that's not my job
1: Boxing fans see a lot of you but I don't feel like a lot of people know your story it's an amazing one so that's what we're going to try and get yeah, into yeah, a bit yeah. now yeah. Boxing for you why did it start? Why?
2: Yeah I was 10 years of age um, I got an older brother so like any younger kid I just followed my brother down the gym so I'm from a big council estate in Cardiff called Ely when it was built around the 40s I think it was the biggest in Europe well, it was rough it's not as rough as people everyone tries to make out their child it was rougher than what it is because that paints a nice picture of why well, i'm a boxer but i never th- it was rough i never seen this rough but my dad had a job my dad worked all his life my dad never claimed social which might to people listening might be so but where i'm from that's like a unique thing boxing gym was local we had like eddie avos so who's from my estate my council estate Yeah, his father had a gym and I I followed my dad. Uh, My brother, sorry, my my dad my grandfather took us down first. I think my uncle Peter, my mother's uncle, took us down first. And my grandfather, who boxed a bit as a schoolboy, he took us down there quite regularly. My dad was always taking me down. I mean, and then that was it, I, and I didn't fall in love with it. Basketball was my favourite sport. <laughs> what are you laughing for? You're such a prick. You're right, you're Can being I, honest as well, not I, I love basketball, yeah, I, I played for my county, I, I, I got gone the Welsh squad, didn't play for Wales, but I got on the squad. And with basketball, you, even when you haven't got the ball, you're always working. And then boxing as well, because you are involved, because you're punching people in the face. I lost my first, and I had been on a big run then. I had four fights as a 10-year-old, and that's all you could have. And then I saw so about a year off, come back, and then... Yeah, but my brother was winning British schoolboy titles and all that Welsh international. He was flying, and I was. I remember my dad said he just wanted me to win a Welsh title. Just it's a big thing Mm. as a schoolboy because my brother was so good, naturally good, but didn't have no work ethic. That if I could just win something, it was okay. So he's juggling the
0: pressure really between. He
2: don't want one boy to be great, one boy to be shit. You know, so no, it's no, you know, it's like with kids. You see your kids, and you think one might be naturally more gifted than another one. It doesn't matter. Like I, like my son, I don't want my son to box, and I got a half brother who's who's like twenty odd years younger than me. I didn't want him to box. Why can he... Because whatever he does won't be good enough. Because you've, my dad's experienced it all from schoolboys to youth to seniors as an amateur. And then, you know, as a pro to be world champions and all the things. The chance of him doing that, chance of me doing it's amazing, but the chances of him doing it is almost impossible. So anyway, I did that. I followed my brother and then I ended up being better than him. So... And I was it, yeah, and I just fell in love with it all of a sudden. I think at about 14 years of age, I fell in love. I knew I, that's... When I got to like 13, 14, I knew, this is me now. This is what I want to do. I love the training more than the fighting. What about it? Just it was hard. Like circuit training was relatively new then. Leisure centers were relatively new. That's old I am. So I would go training... And I go down less and do circuit training, like from fourteen to seventeen. That's the fit I've been. I lost fitness when I turned pro, ironically. But um, I'd run sometimes. I'd run in straight lines. I'd have like a Walkman, a cassette player with the headphones on, and then that's all I am. So you, you have to hold it with one hand because otherwise you keep jumping. I just run in straight lines, run for miles, and then go. F- oh shit! So at what point then? So how long did you box as an amateur for? From eighty four to ninety two. So I had a couple of years older it, but yeah, pretty successful. I went a European Juniors in ninety two. So I wanted to go to the European. I was still a youth fighter. I wanted to go to the junior, uh, the European Junior Championships, which were in Scotland. The guy the weight below me was a fellow called Russell Reese, who was won like three British schoolboy titles, was not on paper better than me, but it was my weight. So we were going to box off to each other. But his trainer knew. He thought they could beat me, but he knew we didn't fight. We just kept it to the end of the tour. They just have to take him in it. They got to make a choice. They'll they'll lean towards him. And luckily, my dad was sort of involved with our club, and he was kept saying, "But this is his weight. You got to fight him." So they said, "We well, have a box off." Oh, okay, box off. you just we never picked a fight. You just told what you do, and you'd fight, wouldn't you? But at the same time, I ended the Welsh ABAs the senior championships as well, because I was like seventeen. I like, end the senior championships. So I ended that, and it got to a point. I remember my dad saying to the, the Welsh Area Council, "Make a choice because at the minute." he could literally be in the Welsh, could win the Welsh senior final. Then I had to go to Scotland then in two days' time and box in the European Championships, win that, have a day off, and then go to uh, go to Gateshead to box in the semis of the ABAs. And they all went, oh, calm down. I know he's just sitting, but calm down. But that's what happened. I didn't win the European juniors. I boxed in the semi final of the Welsh ABAs. Then I boxed a box off against Russell Reese to be picked at the European Juniors. Then the next week, then I boxed Paul Samuels. Remember Paul? You remember Paul Samuels? Who ended up being like a middleweight. But I beat him on energy. He was too too tall for the weight and I beat him. And the next day, I jumped on a bus to Edinburgh, weighed in the day after. The day after that, I boxed in European Juniors, got to the final, got beat in the final by a Ukrainian. And then um, caught another bus down to um, Gateshead and boxing the semis of the ABAs and got beat by Alan Temple on a split. And that would be my year. That was 92, that was. I never knew who I was fighting, ever, ever. Like, I remember my first schoolboy international was in Ipswich, Wales versus England. And I boxed for a kid called Dennis Kremlin, Crumplin or Crumlin He was like a NABC champion, which was NABCs and schoolboy championships. It was a big deal. And I didn't even know that. I just boxed him. And after, he said, oh, you just beat the NABC champion. I went, oh, did I? Thanks for telling me, though. <laughs> but it was good because I never had a chance to lose my ball or anything like that so I didn't just just never knew or never knew even as a pro never knew I was fighting half the time just turn up but I mean I had a good chunk of fights like that that I just turned up because my dad had a a van and I'd fight oh you'd be gutted if you showed up as a spare and there's another little spare and it turns out it's Barry Jones like, he's a fucking handful (laughs) (laughs) he's so fit yeah I I I was more aggressive as an amateur about 91 92 91, 92 I was dropping people with body shots like Ricky Hatton. I boxed a kid from East Germany. He was beating me as well. He was all boxing me, he was. And then my trainer, sat my trainer was an asshole. And he's going, if you don't pull your socks up, I'm going to pull you out. Well, when you're 10, you shit your pants. When you're like 15 and you're like a, already been a m- multiple champion, you go, all oh, right then, mate, of course you're going to pull me out. Anyway, but I snapped him in half with the body shot. He just went poof, like that. And I used to get away with loads. I boxed in Norway once. Boxed uh, the Norway, the, the senior champ. I was 16. And he did three twos. Used to be proper scams, just get away. So I've hit him with a body shot, dropped him. I walked away, but he didn't fall. I, he went down, I went like, oh, he went, oh, and he went over. And I've walked away because he, he's done. But because he was obviously a good fighter and had a lot of will to win, he sort of stayed up. So I've walked away and he's on, well, he's come at me, sort of thing. Like I beat him, but I love the amateur game. Yeah, there. so why turn pro then? Someone asked me. That was it. Someone said, "Do you want to turn pro?" Like I was an apprentice electrician. You know, where I got that job. The guy at the back of my house went, "You left school?" I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, am. I, went, yeah, I was left school like two weeks ago. Do you want a job? I mean, yeah. Oh, I didn't start Monday. Oh, thanks. And I went in. I said, I got a job we were with Teddy." Oh, you got a job, buddy, with Teddy Usher. Oh, well done. What does he do? Didn't know what he did. Yeah, so I was just, I was just like one of those. I just do anything. Yeah. So I, my trainer was Pat Thomas, who was a double British champion in the early '80s. Um, he lost his title. One of his titles to Hella and he was coming down our gym quite often. Poke gym fighters really, let's be honest, but mm. lovely guy, Pat. After the European juniors, he just said, you should turn pro now, you know, like you've won a big medal here. like, And I just said, yeah. And my father wasn't happy, to be honest, because he just thought the Commonwealth Games is two years time. you so were 17 18? Yeah, 18, turned pro to 18, mm. yeah. Pretty much just uh, 18 turn pro. I saying Billy Ayres, the, the referee, was has been a good heavyweight back in the day, um, he was my manager never met Billy Pat said oh Billy be a manager I said okay and it was like that it was just really like naivety just yeah okay I'll do it was it exciting though at the time oh yeah I was buzzing yeah it was yeah. I yeah, was buzzing was there
0: anyone you was looking up
2: to in the pros where he was like an I wanted, to be, I wanted to be Howard or? Winston I mean I wanted to be British featherweight champion that was my focus no one dreamed of being world champions back then even back then I know it was not that old so I'm not trying to make old, my day was tougher just aspirations were more realistic that's all I would mm. say everyone else turns pro and everything, I'm going to be a world champion and it's good. They have more, like you know, they have bigger goals. But then you just go. I can be a British featherweight champion. That's why I didn't turn pro super bantamweight, which I could have been quite comfortable actually, because I want I didn't want to be a super bantamweight champion. There's there about eight fighters in Britain who were super bantamweights. So I had no interest in that. Mm. I want to be I wanted to be the mean something. Be a featherweight champion and and be like Howard Winston. I won the Welsh schoolboy championships in Spotless Centre in Cardiff, which was an iconic place back then. And they, someone wrote about me. Said I was like the new Howard Winston. So when you turned over, how quickly did you have your, your debut? So I boxed in the World Junior Championships in, I'd like to say October. Where were they? They were in Canada, Montreal. I was buzzing about it because it was the same arena that Sugar (laughs) Leonard won his Olympic gold medal. And somehow I thought that was going to be mine. (laughs) I got beaten in the first fight. And it's the first time we'd ever taken boxers to the yeah, World Championship. I going to
0: say, because that's, that's a big thing. Well, if they we're, never we're went like we,
2: in the European juniors, we, it's only juniors, but it's a big deal for us. We topped um, the medal list for, for the home countries. Mm. So we did really well. So we went there we were, like really confident, me and Chris. They took me and Chris. But my flight was the same day as the final so he didn't take me with aspirations of winning <laughs> they weren't <laughs> we were that fly home. Yeah, yeah. It been, if I would have got to the final it would have been, if I would have got to the final it would have been a case of well go for gold or fly home like yeah. Yeah. go for gold and be a Canadian you better hurry up yeah. <laughs> I, wonder if that, I wonder if that's why Lennox Lewis stayed in the UK <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he didn't get him a flight home Like we're for his it's flight like if home. you could stop him in the first round Barry you'll make the flight yeah I know <laughs> which is never going to happen but yeah and so I've got people in Australian I, I'm honest about fights I'm not lost and I've had some I've had some rubs of the green I've had some rubs of the green as a pro I've had some close fights, which I've won, but I've gone, you know, different circumstances the other way. They could have gone the other way, but they never. And as an amateur, I was quite honest. So I boxed really well, but I, I phoned home. I was so happy where I boxed. I phoned her dad. I said, how oh, would you get on? And even though I got beat, but I boxed really well. He said, what are you so happy for? I said, I, boxed so, I just boxed so well. I boxed brilliant. And he's like, we just, well, you couldn't understand it, my dad. I think that's why probably what I did quite well. I never focused on, I, I wasn't like so tunneled in that I could like bottle it. I just thought, oh, let's just box well. just pour, And I, every, I just think every round, just don't about the last round, whatever this round, no, I, I just took it round by round and just put about how well I boxed when I used to get beat on the multi-nation tournaments and I always thought I could have done better.
0: And it, it was always like, it was my fault. Yeah. And maybe I was hung up on the, on meddling or winning or you know, the pressure of it and that and getting stuff wrong. And then you learn, don't you? It's like, oh, on you know, these tournaments, you'd be away for two weeks and you might, might box boxing four or five times over that point. But you, you
2: need to do it. To call, uh, the, yeah, yeah, you, you, need, you to need to keep to doing it. Learn
0: how do I sleep in a hotel bed? How do I eat the foreign food? How do I maintain the weight and all this stuff? And then like, I'd do really well and I'd get to the semis and then... I just sort of fall off and then sometimes, most of the time I win but when I got to the major ones like the worlds or the Europeans
2: it was always a bronze Like, and, and it was always no see I wouldn't look at like that I'd be good to never, I never win but I go I just got a bronze
0: like, no no that's, I'm, no, I'm no, the opposite I, like, see I was that's probably
2: where you were more successful than I in the end but like I, I go I got a bronze but I think no but that's to me I go I got a bronze I know amateur boxing like you get bad decisions. So I, you know, I don't get hung up on losing. I just go, I'd be gutted. i cry. I've cried every time I lost. I haven't lost loads of fights, but I've cried every time. But I get over it like that because that bronze is a building block to go somewhere else for me. It's a bronze. It's something to work on. That silver I got on the European was something to work on to go to the world championships. Now I got to do better. I didn't. I've been mean, like, I could have boxed better. I've always thought I could have boxed a lot better. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when it comes to effort, you always make mistakes tactically, technically, and, hmm. you know, and you pox box the best you could have and you feel lethargic and all different things. You can't get, it. it's, it's a, it's almost an impossible science to get it perfect, but the effort has to be good. So when you turned over, you said there weren't realistic aspirations
1: of winning the world title at that point, but within, what, 18 I mean, I mean, fights, you were world champion. So at what point did that change
2: and you thought, well, okay, actually, no, hold on a sec, I could be... Three weeks before I would won the world title, three and a half weeks, when I got a phone call of Ernie Fossey. He was dead now, but he was he was the matchmaker for Frank Warren. And he said, um, I was I remember I was in Bridge End at the dinner show and I'd won one of those intercontinental things. they were better back then. I beat the kicker that Fiddigalty who went on to win the European title and he was he was good, he was, he could really punch. So he came after I beat him, he came over here and knocked out a load of like I think he knocked out three of the four top super featherweights in Britain after that. And then only me and Colin Dunn beat him, who was a lightweight and a good fighter. So, yeah, I got a decent rating in the IBF. After that fight, that first defence in the Continental, I'm saying, I want to go on the featherweight and box Paul Ingle, who probably would have beat me anyway, to be honest. like, But, but that's what I want to do. on a box Featherweight, I want to box Paul Ingle, the British title. It meant more to me than the IBF. I know you got a rating, but that Intercontinental thing never meant much to me. It was just better money. And, and I got on TV. I'm, I'm not with no big man. I just signed with Frank, actually. I had, so I had two years out of my career. Let's go back to the beginning. So I had my first fight. My, I was eighteen, right, in in uh, in card. If I sold lots of tickets and I boxed a kid who was three and zero with two knockouts. And then I boxed uh, Miguel Matthews, boxed quite comfortable, I was like Sugar Leonard for four rounds, the last two rounds, he put it on me. And then I boxed um, Michael Devaney, an Olympian in 88, he lost about three fights when I boxed him, uh, he had won nine, lost three or something, and he went on to, win, he went, went on to be a British featherweight champion after I beat him. Yeah, I had a decent apprenticeship, then after that I boxed another guy who was won three, lost one, or something like that. Yeah, then I boxed up the journeyman, then I boxed Neil Swain, who was undefeated, went on to win a British, uh, went on to win a uh, Commonwealth super bantamweight title, lost a... Michael Brody in a real good fight. Mm. Then I had an, another easy run that I boxed a fella called Elvis Parsley. I wonder mean, if that was his real name. He might not have been, you know, but either way, yeah, he got punched a bit, but he was he wasn't a great boxer. And then I boxed an old Trafford then on the Ben Eubank undercard. And I was an opponent for John White, who was an undefeated boxer from Salford, same gym as um, Robin Reed and all them. He's really good. But I beat him. That was another undefeated kid I beat. Yeah, so I had, I had like a really good apprenticeship. And I, I don't say I was beating world champions and stuff like that, but I was beating really good prospects or people who would go on to win titles. But because I had quite competitive fights, I wasn't quite learning my trade. I wasn't really getting a chance to do what I did in a gym. And I think that's why I sort of try and tell people about, you know, people who watch boxing and say, why is he boxing a journeyman for? It's a weird sport because it's so intense and it's a short career. It's about getting what you do in the gym and getting it right in the ring. So you box people who can't really beat you, just give you rounds, so you can try things out and get it right and learn and have the confidence to do it. So I boxed like an amateur throughout my pro career because of that. Because all I knew then was stay light on, stay light on my toes, in and out with the feet, but never held my feet, never, never gripped on on the canvas, never pushed on the back foot. No, all the things that I, I talk about now, like I'm an expert at it. I never did those things. And so I learned to think for myself. And I think that helped then as a pro when I had all these things like that with no prep and didn't know who you were fighting, what style you were up against. And because when you're a top class amateur, you don't see them, you know that. I just thought it was the same for everybody, to be fair. So it, it didn't matter to me. I didn't were care. you mainly in Cardiff for your pro career then? Yeah, most I had my first four fights in Cardiff. Like the money was really bad, but I didn't care. So these are small hall shows with not without a major pro Yeah, but, like, like, but I'm selling TV tickets. And... I'm selling more tickets than I am getting paid. So they'll give you like two grand. There you go. Like HTB Wales, will, ITB Wales, they'll give you two grand. So there's two. Th- I don't know what the figures it is there's it two grand, but you got to pay for the lighting rig. How much is the lighting rig? Two grand. So I sold loads of tickets through my thanks to my dad because he worked for the council and he knew a lot of people. My brother was a hooligan, so he had a lot of mates. And like, and I had some mates, but I'm, eight, I'm 80. How many people do I know? To box at home, I had to take a hit financially.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or Mc Crispy sandwich, but you're the filet o fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
2: And if you love the filet of fish
1: right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
0: So, when you, when you get the call three weeks out, world title fight—is it just the excitement of winning the world title, or is there also that slight element of "well, actually, this is there might be money here as well and everything else that will come with it"? No, I
2: didn't think about well the money. I—I told them to fuck off. And it was a, it was a Thursday night. And I, I remember I had a mobile phone. My first mobile phone it was. And that was my number. And he phoned me up at the show. And then he said, oh, see you on box for the world title. I mean, fuck off. And he said, well, John, you fucking talking to him and I am sorry, sorry. And he, and I said, Yes. And he just put the phone down. So I phoned my dad I'm boxing for the world title, Dad. He went, oh, What? Box for the World Title? And he just phoned me. Who are you boxing? I don't know. Where? I don't know. When? not know. Well, wait. Cause I'm super featherweight, but I'm talking about going down the super bantamweight, by the way. Not featherweight, no. No super bantamweight. There are fighters like like this Spencer Oliver and Michael Brody and all these fighters there. You know, it's like it's a, it's a good weight now and I can make that weight. And I'd be big at that weight. So we get home. Back then, it wasn't box wreck and like that. It was barely the internet. Uh, but And So you had um, you had the Boxing News and Boxing Monthly for the ratings. So we're looking at the IBF ratings. I said, it's got to be super featherweight. i got the IBF. Arturo Gatti is the world champion. But my dad's going, I'm pretty sure he's moved up now. So okay. Who's number one? <laughs> Azumar Nelson. So I'm buzzing now, aren't I? Oh, what, if I'm bo- what if I'm boxing Azumar Nelson? A vacant title. Like he'll not, he'll blast me. He's like 48 by that. He's, he's about 39 there, maybe maybe 40. But I'm going, He might black. But I don't know, I didn't care about that. I'm boxing Azumar Nelson. I'd rather lose to and Nelson and win, win a fight against Palacios like I did. So I want to be in that fight. That's a meaningful fight there. I've lost to the great Azumar Nelson. It's no shame in that. And I beat him. Then, I've, then people forget. I beat an old batter that, no, ex, a fighter who should have retired three years ago. I beat a Zuma Nelson, that's it. And then it changed my life, but it wasn't him. And he won the IBF, the way boxing is. I boxed him with a WBO title, not ranked, because two boxers have boxed each other and, and drew twice, ironically, which was crazy, for the vacant title. So I got to box a fellow called Wilson Palacios, who was he had a good record. He could punch a bit, but he wasn't the best. We had a lightweight and a featherweight boxing for the super featherweight title. But I this I didn't care I'm boxing for a world title and it changed my life I sort of like always dig myself out for the world title because I think no was it really I go back to when like in the 80s when being a world champion was almost impossible
0: so I wouldn't worry too much about that Barry just you know you, you made it count you're you're in there you know when when we go to the Xboxers' lunch and dinners and they ask you this, the world champion stand up we give them a round of applause your name gets called out you get stood up you get your you get
2: your applause yeah, and rightly so I do I do but I, I just, yeah it's just the way I am I I'm not looking for the, like it seems like I'm always yeah, why, look, why is that though? I'm not always looking for problems and I'm not looking for sympathy. I just let's all be honest. If we all just be honest, like most of the world champions we've had, especially since Ben came over, I'm not blaming the WBO because the IBF were only two years older than the WBO. But since he came over in what was in ninety one when he beat when he beat um, Doug Debit and Iran Barkley, that opened up the world. And that's the truth, it did. And it and it's and it's not just, and it, and they might be one of the better ones now. It's just spot it's just crazy. Mm. WBA got three world champions at each so way. we should point out for those who are not not okay
1: what you're on about, the WBO at that point. Which is the belt that you won? Was, was the was, was the new lightly regarded, and now it's on a pile with the others. It's one of the four, and no one really denigrates it or any others at the moment.
2: Yeah, for a while, yeah, and then you have people like Nas helped it, and you know, and Barrera held mm. it, and all those. And there was good fighters who had it, as I of course, for a long time, and so they were good fighters. But you know, like I'm a purist of boxing, I like to think, and I just wanted to be simple and clear. So I would be just as happy walking around as a European champion if it meant boxing was well always it should be and I beat good fighters and, and I couldn't punch people think they could beat you but I could take a punch well you were saying yes to everything about even
1: caring about the terms or the it didn't matter to anything. me
2: well really, the back someone else should be doing that for me I so think.
1: Wilson Palacio was your man in the end yeah brilliant fighter he was how was the fight was at London Arena in London Arena
2: one? yeah I remember Yeah, it was, I, it was and the a a fr- Frank Warren show that one yeah it was a Friday night because Naz was boxing Kevin Kelly in, in New York yeah. and Robin Reeves lost his world title to Sugar Boy Malinga Adrian Dodson got battered by Winky Wright and he can't lost to a i think he was lost to a Filipino, on a Thai fighter, on a cutter. I remember he was in. He was in my, we shared a massive dressing room, with me and Mickey Campbell. And he come back, and I was on after him. He come back, and he was cut, and they all cried. They were all upset, and I was like, "I was going. I dad you got to get him out? you dad you get him away?" Yeah, it was wicked. I just enjoyed everything of it. I hit my collarbone. In the foot, like the second round, on, he punched me on the collarbone. Cause I used to throw, I used to rattle off combinations because I'm Sugar and Leonard fan. And him and Hagler, I, used, I watched that fight about fifty thousand times. But you know when he's on the when he's up the ropes and Hagler would bat him. He just flooded with loads of punches and then move off. And that was, that was like, I just to love all that. I could just, you know, when someone's, it hit you with better shots, but then you flood it like this and then you, and then the movement at the end magnifies your, your work. How was you thinking and feeling throughout the fight? Was you feeling good? The middle rounds, I struggled a little bit, I think. He came back on strong and I couldn't, because that shoulder, that collarbone thing, I couldn't let the punches go. But yeah, but I felt I felt good. I just, well, I just went out to the corner. My dad was down below and I said, oh, am I getting on? And he goes, did well there. Uh, what, well, at the pace? or so you need to flurry a little bit, but that was it really. And I had Ronnie Rush in my corner. who used to train Steve Robinson, little Trinidadian biggest stuns on the planet but he was like he like slapped me in the face come on now you've got to rally up so I felt confident I felt that I was doing enough and what was the feeling when you won fantasy because it was a vacant title <laughs> but um, when they say and the new could be either you go oh shit I, <laughs> <laughs> I tell people like if you're a Man United fan it's like playing at Old Trafford well, you know, if you're a cricket fans, I like play at the Oval. It's like them sort of things. Like this is your life. No, how many times you've been in your bedroom, like shadow boxing to like I want to be. I was going to be WBC welterweight champion of the world, like Sugar Leonard was, and that's what I was going to be. And so I want like all the time I was Ray Leonard and, and shadow boxing. And I was and I do like twenty five rounds in, in like spad. I'd go for proper like real imagination. I go for fights. I slip pins. I get hit and all that. No, I was like 25 years of age doing this. <laughs> no, no, as a kid, I, that was my focus. So to be a world champion was everything.
0: It's funny because you're saying that you're, as a kid, in your bedroom, shadow boxing, dreaming of being Sugar Ray Leonard. But then lots of times you talk about British title, happy to be gold. Yeah. But then no, you, dream- you had more than that. Like, no, no, that's, but my, and I think that's how not, you got further th- as well. No, maybe
2: no, so, but my, my dreams are there. But I do always keep my, my expectation because, realistic. Yeah, mm. yeah, if I was you,
0: might be a safe, like a, a force safety net. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, not yeah. trying to pick holes on you or beat you up about it. I'm just saying this is because I'm always trying to figure out what makes people different, and you know? successful and, and successful. Yeah. And like now, someone will go the visualization and whatever. But you're just having fun in your bedroom, dreaming about being a world champion, and you probably did similar things in the change room before you boxed. Visualize the shots. So it's equivalent
2: of like really good quality shadow boxing i know i always say about the world champion stuff because i love boxing but you know what it is really a, part, a big part of it it's a safety net thing i criticize it or someone else criticizes me so i get in so there have you faced a lot of that or are you just no, never i just get in <laughs> there <effort>. i just <laughs> so get just in there before yeah I, really... I do not can i fucking put on the plate for people don't I? <laughs> but like it's but it's that so i am i am that sort of way i'm like um i don't crave limelight like if i go to a show at a weigh in I'll stand in the corner, you won't see me. Like, I don't go r- walk around going, I hear I, I, the people. I don't, bit of a loner, if anything, ironically, though I'm, I love being around by sucking me social. So the job I do is quite ironic because I don't, I never craved that. I never want to be then. I didn't care about ring walks and all. I didn't care about that shit. I genuinely never, and I didn't want to be famous. And I had no aspirations of being famous. People say hello to you and stop you every now and again. I get that very rarely, but I get it sometimes. And they go, "Excuse me," and I go, I mate." And they go, "Do you know the way to um across the?" And I go, "No, good stuff. But, <laughs> no, you know, and it's and it's like you know. And they go, "Did you used to, you used to be my bus driver, Harry yeah. Okay. I've, I've had that more than you can mention, but having that all the time, I, it's not for me. What was it like going back home with a belt? mega like like. remember from a council estate who, who produced Cardiff's only Bull champion in Steve Robinson it was like from the same council estate me and mm-hmm. Steve Robinson lived in the same street yeah so it was it was mega like it was, you know, it was just unbelievable and everyone come to the gym to say hello and then I had like a, a Lord Mayor's dinner and all that sort of stuff I always remember though realistic, all my career has been it was a Friday so the next Saturday there was like a Christmas dinner not for me for, for Christmas for, <laughs> for Jesus for someone who knows all proof you know what I mean <laughs> So anyway, we had this in, in the city hall in Cavs, a real plush place. So I've gone for a sauna. in the, a, they, they built this new hotel not far from where I live. I've gone for a sauna in there. They got like a health club and they would let me use it. But on the way, you had to go down this link road. You know, like a link road, like a like little, 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 little mini motorway type thing. I've run out of petrol, so I've just won a world title. and run up the road with a jetty can <laughs> 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 to, to the Tesco, to the Tesco yard yeah. yeah. to go and get three quid worth of petrol. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, but I'm all battered and bruised. I'm like, this, oh fucking. They <laughs> <Did> must <man." you laughs> see Barry McGuigan running up. Yeah. The
1: road <laughs> I'll the see he doing there?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but like, I remember two days later, though, I froze. My body locked up. Cause I was going up with a girl at the time. who was in a, it was um like a like a singer dancer type thing, and she was off to a, she was in one of those, but into one of those type places over in Weymouth, and I was going to go with her, and she had to dress me. I was like that. Ah. I was like, oh, well, my body locked up. My bo- my muscles all seized up. On the Friday night, I boxed. Like, it was just amazing. All my mates, all my mates took over this hotel, done, done in the Docklands, just took it over. Like, even there was one staying. It was like five people to a room and all that. <laughs> mm. And I stayed there all night and it was just fantastic. I don't drink, by the way. I don't drink. So I was like 17. And then um, it was just a great night though. It was just amazing. And I remembered it all because I, I remember everything. I remember going to bed and my belt was on the bottom of the bed. And when I woke up then, probably about three hours later, I wouldn't, I was so scared to open my eyes because I didn't want, I was afraid it wasn't going to be real. Yeah. And I was trying to find the belt with my foot. Because oh. I'm so short, I couldn't find the light. Find, where is it? Like, it's where like, is it? Shit. Yeah, and then I just went, oh, like, like I'm world champion. It's just, like, yours know, is different because, like, you've had a successful, successful career already. But it was just something that I've told you far off. I don't know. It just you just ticked every box. And now you had the last thing. You just that one piece. You learned the money. You've had the, everyone knows who you are. You've had a great career. But that world title thing, if you don't win that world title, you're always going to go. Mm. Now you can just go, ha. Ah. I walk away from my career now, Going couldn't have gone any better for me, ironically. For what I had in my locker and for what I ended up coming away with, it was probably about right, really. Did you have that after enough
0: So there's no mad celebration. I mean, I, I did drink after fight. No, I didn't know wearing paralytic or anything, but I did drink like through my career and that. So I wasn't always like dead sober like observing it yeah. but also by that point there was no big parties you know what I mean it wasn't like my mates all came out to take over the hotel they all got it kids
2: was... by then no, no, well, yeah. you're, oh, and, you're, yeah. and you're too big by then well it just like, I'm too, too tired by then yeah. <laughs> you know no but you're too big a name like I mean like you're already a star like I wasn't a star so literally everyone from my, like my pub Come to watch me, I'm hanging around where I hang around as a kid in the, the shops where I used to hang around as a, as a teenager. I'm there, I'm in my I live in the same area. I'm in mean, it, like I'm not, I haven't moved on to a bigger place or a bigger house. And, and you know, like most people do, you, know, you, you earn a million. I just stand, I've been there. It's because I, I, I didn't go for, I didn't go like mine, sort of like jump from one gap to another gap, so it was just a little bit different. So, I understand why you didn't have that massive like street party type thing because you're George Groves already. Talk us
1: through after that so obviously it doesn't go well after that Palacio fight. Talk talks what happens with you.
2: Yeah I had a change in my scan. There was MRI scans were quite new. So in 1997 was the first time that I think we were all British boxers have an MRI scan. 1997. So it used to be um, CT scans which are not as detailed of course. So I won, the, I won my world title December ninety seven, December 19th, 1997. And then yeah, 1998 in like the match was the first time they had a a, 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 another ca- a scan to compare them t- with and there was a change in my scan so when you have kids our kids know you have a soft spot in the center of your skull and um sometimes it doesn't join up they reckon one in ten the membranes don't don't quite join up and it's called the caveum septum pellucidae and obviously with trauma trauma is just getting banged on the head they think my moved by 0.2 of a millimeter but it's the brain so they didn't know some people are saying that it might be the appendix of the brain they didn't quite know what it did what does it do? There's fluid either side. The fluid hasn't broken. The, the membrane hasn't broken. There are two bits of cling film, if you like, but there's fluid on either side. So I was taking MRI scans, you know, my gray matter was okay. My I was doing an IQ test. My IQ was actually quite decent. But I was dehydrating myself and having a brain scan. I was overhydrating and having brain scans. He was things like, oh, it might Just to get a different result? Yeah, just to try and find out what was wrong with me. I've had this change in my scan in the British boxing board. Obviously, bear in mind Michael Watson suing him at the time for what happened to him in 96. Mm-hmm. And Spencer Oliver, which is the worst, it's horrible to say, it's the worst thing for me. He, I think it was a match, he collapsed in his fight, his European title defense, you no, know, and obviously he almost died, and thank God, he's made a full recovery, but the pressure on the boxing board, every time something happens, there's banned boxing brigade comes out, understandably, of course, so it was a pressure, so they just, I think, for them, I was like, I don't talk for them, but it seemed for them, I was the perfect case to go, we even ban our world champions, but it's a world champion, no fucking knows, I'm just some guy who just won a title who nobody knows, so you know, it wasn't. It was like a token thing, but they wouldn't give me my license, and that's fine.
0: Was there any part of you that was like nervous about boxing again because of this Absolutely. on the scan, yes. or was you just like boxing is my life? Like, and if there is a problem with the scan tough shit I'm still
2: a boxer no 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 originally it was no I couldn't believe it I was like well not me I, I didn't take that many punches I'm a, mover. I'm, I'm a shit house you know like I dance around I, I couldn't believe it you tend to think that all the people who fight with their face are going to have brain scan problems and it's not we're all built individually and then it was a worry what's wrong with me and they said oh you're okay just been changing your scan by the way I found a third party about my brain scan but anyway that's like, how how did that work then so well, you did your brain they, scan did no go f- to they, the board they, first they, 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 no no they, 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 the board get the results. And then they contacted, Frank Warren was my manager, but per, sports Network were my promoters, they contacted them and they rang my dad. And then my dad told me, <laughs> I don't think that's still quite, no. you know, that doesn't always should go, is it? I don't think. But anyway, I didn't care about that. I went to see a brain surgeon who was one of the top ones in the country, in Oxford. I don't care about boxing. I just care about if I'm going to live or die or what's going to happen to me. I don't know. I, they almost told me anything. Oh, you're okay. You feel the brain scan. That was it. Can't box again. Okay. I didn't give, like at first, my interesting. what do you mean I can't box again? But then within a week, I'm worried about what's happening in my life. And by the way, in my local area, I know those things outside the newspapers, the little wooden box stands with the what's, with the, the headline. The headline, the paper, boxer fails brain scan. It's me. It's everywhere. I got people coming at me going, oh Barry, you know, like sorry, mate. So you okay? Are you okay? It's me like some wrong with me. People shout people are shouting at me like that. Are you okay? Fucking I, I am okay. And and like that, people saying, oh, listen, I'm, you know, I'm like, sorry about that. And people were, some people were horrible to me. That must have been really difficult mm. to cope with Oh, mate, it, cha- it changed that. me as a person. I haven't been the same since. Something I haven't really ever got rid of, actually. like I got like a fuck you attitude. No, I haven't. Like, I'm not like that. But no, but, I have yeah. a little bit of that. I actually probably could have done with that when I was fighting, ironically. But yeah. And it, But it, I went to see a brain surgeon. He said, I can see what they're looking at. But as far as I'm concerned, there's no more danger than any other boxer. And also another doctor called Raymond Sell, who was sort of helping out the board, but he was a local guy and a really lovely guy, and he saved my career. He did loads of research for me, and that's when I was doing all the scans, hydrating, rehydrating, dehydrating, and all these things, the IQ tests. And we went to the boxing board with all this, all this information to get my license back. And they sort of just shut me down really quickly. They used this theory from Dr. Casellis, which is an autopsies on a, a load of Xboxes from the 1920s, something like that. And they all had this, what I had. But they had other stuff, major stuff, you know, like grey matter was thing, damage, all sort of brain damage, other damage to the brain, and uh, quite a lot of them had this thing in the sort of mid eighties. The British Medical Association tried to ban boxing, and they used Dr. Gasalis' theory as a gateway to to use the ban boxing. The British Boxing Board got their doctors to rubbish that theory. Then they used that same theory then 10 years later yeah. to try the boxing board to try and tell me this is why you can't box because of this. But I already had the information thanks to people I, I I had helping me saying, well, you can't use that because you rubbish that 10 years ago. Otherwise, there's all banned boxing. They wouldn't give my license back. But then again, again, the Raymond Sal went to Frank Warren and pretty much his people and said, listen, like there's a problem here because no, if Barry can't fight with this, which he should be allowed to, because the MRI scans are new you're going to see this more often and that means some of the other fighters are, knock, are knocking me out of the box mm-hmm. like your Nazis potentially and your, your Benz and your Carl Zaggies, and your Eubanks and all it was you didn't have Eubank at the time but I know what happens then you know when these big names can't fight because of this which is not really an issue and then he got a barrister yeah, he, he's he front warren Pay for a barrister to get my license back, and it took like to like fifteen minutes. But that period was like almost two years of my life. So I went from I went a little to at twenty three, by the way, and then my last fight. I had my last fight at twenty five because of that. I won six rounder in between, and then I boxed. What training of.
0: wise were you doing in that two years? Was you training like still like a professional no, boxer no, I was. I was
2: doing little bits. Were I you was, still in Cardiff at that? point? I was still in Cardiff, yeah. And um, my whole career started finishing in Cardiff, but I wasn't really training. I was doing. I might. I'm sort of play football with my mates now and again. I can't play football. I'm rubbish. But I didn't drink and stuff. And I so I was. And I was naturally a hyperactive kid. I Didn't put on a lot of weight. So getting fit was never going to be an issue. To be honest, getting in shape was never going to be an issue for me. Mm-hmm. I was naturally a small guy. I walked around at nine eight and box at nine four. It changed my life, and it changed people's perceptions of me. Because people, when I got my license back, people were saying, "You sure you should box, Barry?" People who I liked, and you know, and and they didn't want me to box, and uh, and I was the kid with brain damage.
0: But I haven't got the full information, and you see, so you felt like you may be battling that as well.
2: Well, there was there was a stigma to me then. All yeah. of a sudden, well, yeah, 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 I, sh- I like I should have sued really for like that shouldn't have been public all that. But it, it happened, and it was no, I, no, I don't look back at it too bad. But at the time, it changed my whole life, my whole outlook on life. Like I thought I thought everyone was nice. I was naive. Like I'm from a horrible area. Not a horrible, I'm from a rough area and, and, and you know where you have to be on your aware of your surroundings and stuff like that. I was good at that. But outside of that world, I'm with all these people who got money and all that and they all they all talk posh in right, my to my mind. So they're all nice people to me. It's the happiest kids have been boxing. I would smile at weighing, I'd say see people's hands and all that but ponies would look at me and go, What? You know, like, I didn't care. It didn't matter to me. I think I'll fight you anyway. I'm not worried about that, but I, know I don't know the grudge. I was never like that. I need, I, I lacked that bit of poking up my ass, make me angry sort of thing. It's like I didn't have that. And then I had it now, but it was too late. Because <laughs> when I won the World Tile, I had a contract for defences, you know, you might have had the same sort of thing. And it was good money, but it's all back-end loaded. So i got to get this, like, four defences if I really see a massive change. But it changes my life. And realistically... It was achievable. I had the hardest fight it was my first fight. I had to go to Paris. I did the press conference in Paris, actually. I was with a called Julian Lawsey, which was a real, it's a good fighter, Julian. He had a multi-lightweight. But stylistically, a fight that I could have won, but he was really popular. Like, he'd sell out an arena in Paris. So I was going to, I didn't care. I was getting an extra 20 grand on top of my purse to go to Paris. I'm in a massive arena. And I think I could beat him. And then that would be my hardest fight. And I'm, then I'm probably, just be honest. So that would have been your first defense? Yeah. And, and then my next two defenses, to be honest, are going to be British fighters. Dean Pithy, you know, Kyle Greaves, who if you can believe he was super feather. Might be someone like him? No, so I get that. I'll say they're hard, they're easy fights, but they're more than winnable fights for And you've got clear, a clear roadmap to money, life-changing money. Yeah. And then if I get Steve Robinson, we have a thing in our contract, if any unification matches, Nas, Nas, or Steve Robinson, and they could renegotiate. My dad did that. I didn't have a clue because Steve Robinson would do a big fight in Wales. Naz was a featherweight, but I would be the perfect opponent for him to move up and be a two-weight world. He beats me two a world champion, but I will get paid for it. No, it goes and trying to win the fight, of course. But in reality, he batters me, doesn't he? And, and you know, any unification, anything, then I get more money. But the money was good, and it was back-end loaded. But I think like, and six fights in—that's two years, not like it is now. Because I'm cheap. So they gave me all quick and Sky was just putting a box on every month Then there. And Sky proportionally, Sky was spending
0: mega money hmm. compared to what they are right yeah. now. Yeah, so. so yeah, it's I think new so. channel yeah. they had to.
2: Yeah. No, the bigger names like you get more money. But I mean, than they, they used to back then, possibly. But I mean, smaller fighters like me were getting more then, and they probably are now.
0: Unless you're pay per view now, yeah, yeah, it's, not, you're, yeah. You're, it's tight.
2: But in the end, I got my license. It took a long time. I got my license back, and that was that was the main thing. So I just turned twenty four. I got my license back, it's okay. But I couldn't fight then, so I boxed. I didn't box till twenty five. So when we will fight at twenty three, that's my next fight, twenty five. As a warm fight against the South Boy, I said, All right, I didn't know he was a South Boy until I boxed him. Six rounder. Chris Willis. Are you the rounder. world champion at this point? You haven't been stripped? No, no, of the no belt. I've been stripped. You've been stripped? Yeah, of? yeah. Once the box board said said no, I got stripped straight away, yeah. But then I think they did the right thing. They made me the one challenger. Alexander Alexandrov won the World title against maybe Julian Lawrence, I'm not quite sure. But then he defended his title against Asselino Freitas, this young Brazilian guy who could punch a little bit. Yeah, Freitas knocked him out in two minutes. He was off cold for five minutes apparently, Alexandrov. So it t- took him two minutes to knock him out, five minutes to wake him up. I just thought, you know, what well, he got to knock me out then? I? I remember I, I I sort of like um, did the fight breakdown on my own. the People interviewed me and I said, listen, well, he's not going to beat me on points. That's what I do. He got to knock me out. So the first punch he hits me with, if I'm on the floor, then I can't beat him. If I'm on my feet, he can't beat me. And I and I was I was spot on because the first big punch he landed with, I fell over. So I got it right. If anything, I got that right. The, you still do to this the, day. Should the analytical yeah. um, <laughs> talk us through that fight? I was massive. Like it was for me. It was like I thought I was going to win. Cause it's just it's just the dream. Now what happened? You know, I'm boxing this big puncher with all this brain scan stuff, and I get this fight, and I'm going to just just stand him on his head. I was confident going in. He threw that big overhand right, but he brought his foot forward and we worked on a snappy left hook. Every time he throws that right down, just throw a left hook. He's just said and done when someone's a big puncher. So he, I think he was 23-0, and 23 knockouts at the time. So the first round starts off really well. He goes in there. I remember at the weigh-in, at the weigh-in, the weigh-in the day before, I weighs in 9-stone 2. The fight's 9-4. I'm eating a Mars bar. I, on the scales because I, like, I used to wind them up he walks in he's like dead he can barely walk like, they're holding him up didn't make the weight like, like Ian Dark said he, didn't, he was there he didn't make the weight and that's not an excuse he beats me any day of the week by the way he's too good for me but uh, he didn't make the weight but I didn't care cause he looked, I said look at him so the ring walks come in I got my card City top on Gets in there, takes my top off, little skinny hairy chest. He gets in his Brazilian top on, takes his top off and he just, he went boom, boom, boom the <laughs> muscles on him. His back went like he's, like, he's like, he had two twins on his back. I go, what's he, like, what's going on there like? Look at the size of him. Me and my dad are in the corner laughing, nervously laughing. He was The size of him. <laughs> he, but that's not the same kid I saw yesterday. He come in, looking for me straight away on the offensive throws a big right hand I whips the left hook across drops him he spits his gum shield out no my mates now are saying like, if we he wouldn't spat his gum shield I would have stopped him yeah. that wouldn't have happened it's thrown me though I've dropped him I should have went for him but I didn't I'm, again because I was very much you know, stick, to, stick to what I know stick to what I know I had to kind of keep moving and stick to the plan or go at him I did nothing I just stood, in the, I just stood there waiting for him to get it it's like I got stuck in two minds. This is like a millisecond of, of action, but in, you know, in your That's mind. Massive pressure. Yeah. Massive,
0: massive yeah, pressure what for you're you 25. It? You've been through all this. This is a comeback after two years of agony and you drop him. Straight away, yeah, that's that. Yeah. Well, you man. dropped frock straight away in your first fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah the thing, it?
2: Is, but but you knew you could punch, so you dine, you, you got you know, you got better yourself. Mm. So I knew what I was good at. You were not expected to drop this guy I'm in not the first punch, am I? Yeah. I uh, actually, uh, you do, any any trainer I've, ha- I've had will, t- and even some sparring will tell you I could punch my weight. I'm not never going to be a puncher, but I could punch my weight. I just, when I saw a punch, I was already moving away, thinking about the next move I was going to do. I, again, when you when you're older, you learn to slow things down and realize you you've got more time to do stuff when you're young. Like I tell people all the time when you're young and you've got fast hands. Don't try and throw them fast. you got fast hands. You try and throw it too fast. I would throw feints all the time. I'd throw them so fast, no one's seen them. They were a waste of time.
0: <laughs> I was like, that. They
2: didn't. Oh, look at this. And the, that kid didn't see it. If I slowed it down a bit, no, and he was still going to be fast because I'm fast. And then he sees it and it works. So, like when you're young, you rush your stuff. And I was that sort of person. And because I'm like, you can see how fast I am now as an old man. So I have always do rushed stuff. And that, I anyway, threw the left hook, I got dropped him, he got up, he threw a shot and he missed me. I remember I ducked underneath, I thought, Shh, fucking hell. Still a bit, a little bit of hair, he was going, but I was gripping onto it for dear life. My hair and my head, I could feel my hair move, and I thought that didn't sound good. He threw a left hook, I think, and I miss- He missed, and he threw a right hand, and I didn't even feel it. And that's the first time I've been dropped in my life amateur, pro, sparring, never been dropped, not even on the street at that point. And it didn't hurt, just hit me, and I didn't see it. So it was fine, but I did the right thing. I didn't rush, didn't jump up. I took the eight, got on my knees, took my time, didn't rush it, did everything right. And then he jumped on me again, he hit me with the left of the body, and I heard. So, something i think it popped my rib or the cartilage or something like that it was it was weird it wasn't quite a weird thing oh the pain the pain was horrible felt like someone just stabbed me with something and is it i don't know if you if you ever don't watch the fights but but if you ever want if you ever just fast forward to me getting knocked down which don't go too fast because there's lots of them you see me on the floor once i'm on my knees and my face is just contorted with pain and i'm i'm out all i'm focused on now is the i'm immersed in my own misery of pain i'm like oh fuck i'm done i heard seven and all of a sudden, something I realise I'm in a fight. Fucking, I'm going to And all, all, you, all you think then is. I'm going to get beat. So you get up. I don't know where to come from, but I just got up. Like, it's because I think I don't want to get beat. Like, a fucking all. It's a woman. I mean, I'm like, just like, forget what I am. It's like, oh, I don't like this. And then I hit seven. I was shit. And I jumped up. And the referee said, you okay? I said, I'm yeah, fine. Cause I was fine. It was the pain, but I wasn't winded. And I couldn't, I'd go back to the corner. I was frustrated. Because I got knocked on a few times with like body shots mainly. But every time he hits me, I go, oh, I got it like it's audible. It's like he it stabbed me with something. The harder shots with the head shots that I didn't go down with went time I looked for the floor, I'll be honest. He hit me so hard with the right hand, I didn't know where I was. All I knew, enough that anything else hits me yeah. and I'm done. Again, it's, you know, it's, like, it's like these are milliseconds really, but at the time when you're in it, this is just lasting forever. And I hit me with a shot, I just know I couldn't see anything. And so I just took a knee. Saved myself to win the fight. As I said to you before, I mean, not mathematically it was impossible for me to win the fight. I'd have to win the, the, the next 55 rounds. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's all I'm thinking about. Just win the fight, win the fight. That's my whole thing. So I got all this thing about being brave. I got to, I got put down six times in eight rounds. It's a good fight. Seven knockdowns in a fight, in, a, in an eight round fight. It's not bad, is it? And I finished on my feet. My, my I threw the towel in, but I quit. Like I never quit. But I quit. I could hear him in my corner. I, was, I wasn't far from my corner. I was on the ropes, like, and he batted at me. I did. I won the fourth and the fifth round on the judges' scorecards because he knock me down, and I was winning the six. I think I was boxing well in the six, and he dropped me at the end. And the seventh round, I think he dropped me at the end of the seventh round, I think as well. Or he battered me. I can't quite remember now. And I think he just punched the fight out of me. And then I was up against the ropes in the eighth, and I just didn't have no more fight left in me. Like I wanted to, you know what I mean? I gutted about it, actually thinking about it, because I wanted to win, but I just I was done. And I could hear him in the corner. i was going to throw the towel in. That's the catalyst to fire back. I, I'm not a quitter. I didn't know no people. We all slagged off Daniel Dubois for mm. what happened with Joe Joyce, and but you've people. always, but you've always been very on that front. You've always been happy. fucking crying almost. I was thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, but it.
1: you've been happy to say like with Dubois, okay, that's a quit. Because you know that it's not like yeah, it's that's, no just, that's just what happens. You, you got to own You got to own it. yeah, like
2: yeah. I didn't sort of do what he did. He just panicked. You, you, you're, you're limits see your limits. But your son just quit, but he's not a quitter. He quit though. There's a difference. Sometimes people quit, and you go, "That's unacceptable." I didn't quit. Cause I couldn't win the fight. I just quit because I just got the fight punched out to me. I think there's a difference there. Like I tried. I couldn't. I got, up, I got knocked down six times almost, and I would have got down another. I would have got knocked down another six times if I could have. And gone the distance, like if I could have, I wanted to. I don't quit. And people said you, adapt. people said you're so brave and you no know, too brave for your own good. And, and I'm like, no, that's we all do that. We all we all do that. And like people might only get knocked on three times or once, but we all do that. And that's what we're made for. That's what we're built to do. That's what we, that's our fucking job. I mean, it's danger to us. No people are there to save us. We're not there to save ourselves sort of hypocritical because I take a knee but I took a knee to save the fight Took so I want to win the fight I want to win the fight by all means by the all costs if it means me to have to take a knee when I'm hurt to get back up to win the fight I'll do that I don't care I don't want to do that but I'll do it I've never done it before I was proud the way I took my time in the knockdowns I took the eight count every time I was gutted like, because I knew I just had no fight in me and I could hear him because I'd throw a towel in I'm going to throw a towel in and I should have rallied no room there was no room left in me to go Vroom, to fire off or anything or hold him or jump on his back or whatever you could do to survive. I said it was nothing. That was hard to take. Because people tell me how brave I was. You no, know, and I look back now and I'm proud of it actually. Because I used to I used to work in schools and I used to use that fight as a as more important to define me as a person, as a man, than the winning the world title. Because I won the world title because I was better than the guy. But that fight showed me who I was after the fact, after I got over me not winning. In the end, I realized I did try my best. I couldn't have done no more against a guy who was too good for me, too powerful, too fast. He wasn't just powerful. He had faster hands than me, faster feet than me. And I didn't think that was possible. And I, when I was doing the kids, I said, that's what it's all about. Sometimes you know, it's not going to be easy for you, but you got to keep trying and trying. And I failed, but that don't matter because I tried so I can walk away going. I did all my, all I could do. And I think that was my career. That was my life. Like about as amateur, pro. I so I never really. I so I got over defeats quite quickly as an amateur, and, and even that one as a pro. The actual defeat I got over. The other stuff you know took longer. Outside the boxing, but I couldn't have done any more than I done when I look back. For that short period of time, I was et up a little bit for about a week, about. But also, like my dad's a real pragmatic guy, and he was so going. What could you have done more? So, I mean, what were you asking for yourself? Did you watch fight back?
1: Yeah, straight away. Because mm. we had Darren Barker on the pod and he said a similar thing because he lost to Felix Sturman yeah. and got stopped and he struggled to watch it but then he watched it back and he went, no, I did everything he could. Literally gave it everything but lost in the end but yeah. what else can you do? The older you get
2: the better it is of course you look at it and go oh yeah it was I was tough enough like like it was a thing i never had to prove in my life before i didn't i probably did prove it but i didn't think i had to prove, i didn't think to me it was proved that i was tough or, or i could take a shot or i could dig in when i was getting beat up cuz i never felt like i ever got beat up before so pretty much I saved it all. to. The, um, Glenn McCrory did a brilliant piece of commentary on that fight. And um, not for me, it wasn't, but it was funny. So <laughs> Ian said I've been put down like four times now, and Ian Dax said, and Barry Jones never on the floor in his life. And Glenn McCrory said, but he's making up for it tonight. <laughs> 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 which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is true and nice. Now I'm trying to process
0: your story. I'm trying to feed back. But it's difficult because I feel like as fight, well, me, my story, like you forever change your mind. Like, yeah, you you process things different as time goes on. I'm definitely at a stage in my life where whatever my feelings and thoughts are now, I'm not absolute about them because I'm like, well, when will they change? Because they kind of do like... My closest thing to that is my last fight when I felt like it's all well and good it being your last fight and retiring after and then saying, I always knew it was going to be my last fight because it felt like it and it turned out to be, but who knows? Yeah. And I feel like I had the fight knocked out of me in that fight, but maybe even before that fight started through the my journey, you know, winning a world title, the fourth attempt, you know, hurting someone in a fight dislocating my shoulder in the fight before my last fight and then it was agony trying to get fit for the final and all the boxing politics and quitting is just a, just a uh, it's horrible no you never want to be described as quit and to get to where you are you haven't quit and then you yeah. just tell your stories as, as a kid running training grafting fighting back-to-back tournaments there's no quitting you at some point your understanding now is that the fight left you in that fight ultimately it's always going to be with you isn't it it's, your, yeah. it's you and your thoughts
2: See, and your process I, but if it isn't for the corn, if it isn't for the towel and the referee don't stop it I'm there i, I mean I, I don't turn away i don't take i don't go on the knee and stay down I don't do that. I know I don't I think I, th- I like to think I proved I wouldn't do that. And I'd like to think I wouldn't do that. I would have kept going. There was an opportunity there. It's in real time. It happens in an instant. So if they were have thrown a towel in ten seconds later, I might have rallied again. What Who do knows? you think would have happened if you hadn't heard them say that? Well the referee probably steps in. He does, yeah. But I, I fight his back at some point. I'm not gonna stay there on the ropes all day. Mm-hmm. On, like, you know, just preservation alone. You realise you've got to fight. You no, know, when you grow up in an area where you, you fight on the streets and stuff, you one thing you realise is if you're not throwing, people are hurting you. So you have to fire. When you're little like me, you have to fight with like everything you've got. you got. Know, it's not I'm not a one punch wonder am I? my am like a tiny little man. So you know, I got to fight, keep fighting, until until nothing comes back. And so you go back to that in the end, and you ultimate, oh, I'm a nice little neat boxer, but when I get beat up, I just got to try and just to survive. I'm not trying to hurt you, I'm trying to save myself. It's a different scenario when you go because boxing matches are very rarely like that. You no, know, it's not always like you know. Supposedly my fights were never like that that intense because the way I, if I win in a fight, then I was making it a more civil affair. At times, they can be like that. It can be really you know, gritty and raw, and it's, it's your will. Sometimes to win will get you through more than your ability and your power and all the rest of it. But I think, no, yeah. So I would, I just would have got battered and pummeled mm. and carried on. It's the fight was out of my reach. Why was this your last fight, Barry? I moved to London after that, and I was going to fight. I was going to fight again. I started training with Jim McDonald. up in been um, in Chalk Fam. He had the gym. He was, he was training there, and the, it was a uh, St. Pancras which turned into the Cronk Gym for a little yeah. while. And then um, I was going to fight again. Then I, my, I had a little change in my scan again. Not big. And I could have got my license back and I would have I could've thought. But I just went, like oh, I'm not doing that again. I mean, an exit of my head now. You know what I mean? Head, no. you know what I mean? Like they they no one must be the box. Something happens to me. And also I felt in love with it. The fight had left you, maybe. Like, not even the fight, it just did all the shit around it. Like, yeah. you know what i was like. Because I kept thinking about the money i lost. Yeah. Well I I would lump it in together, to be honest. That's what, I'm yeah, yeah, by, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean by. You know what I You have
0: so many battles, don't you? So yeah. many you've got a short career, it's a sportsman's career, boxing the worst, and in terms of how much you need to make it count I'll just lump all of it in together and then
2: call that the fight, the fight. Yeah. yeah but I was just thinking you know I'm like I'm there and like those two years I had like that's still six fights but I've had those and just say I won them all in my mind I'm winning them I don't think I'm going to lose the first fight and then I'm like I'm there and all of a sudden no I got that money you No, know, that that's changed me I'm Like, that's my money where's that money and I, and I couldn't get over that and just made me bitter. And all of a sudden, I mean, what, what the fuck am I doing? Like, i got to fight for get my license back again. Now, once I, I will, I will get it back. Who's going to want to touch me? You no, know, what the f- Like, just who cares? I didn't phone anyone. No one phoned me. So my retirement was like, i would to turn pro. You retired? Yeah, I'm retired. No one asked me. There was no mention in boxing. It was Barry Jones retired. Frank Warren's office never phoned me. He said, "Barry, you you're looking for a the fight? There's nothing. Just no, no, it just disappeared. It just stops <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just, it? yeah, just. Well, I didn't care. I didn't, again, because I won like, I won the cream Limelight. I didn't want that. I didn't want all that big thing. I just didn't care. I wasn't bitter about that. Just bit about the other stuff. I don't think they should have took my license away and I couldn't get over that. I'm over it. now, but I couldn't get over it. I think I was harshly dealt. All the luck I had getting the world title shot and all that shit was massively superseded with the way I was treated with something cause of the climate of the sport with Michael Watson and Spencer Oliver I would throw my cream in the bin to make sure Spencer was recovered and to make Michael Watson you no know, fully recovered I wasn't care about that that something was worth more that wasn't the case like they didn't need to do that to me they should have done i don't think i was treated fairly mm. and i'll never think i was but i'm over it now mm. when we talk about it, though it comes up you still think i was a young man with a dream like i've lived my fucking best life and i look back like that now like oh lucky are we to chase a dream whether you get that or not chasing a dream is what people never do people walk into a job and they're stuck in that job forever which is fine by the way the security and it's all not saying your life's meaningless but look at the shit we get to see and, and do the good stuff. Mm. And not just people like you who make will make all the money and all, of, and all and win a world title and everything else. You ticked all the boxes. I ticked a couple of boxes, and which is great. But just the journey, doing it, chasing it, having a, looking back at when you get older. No. And the older you get, by the way, the better it becomes. For now, you want your kids to go straight to university and have a job. But as you get a bit older, you still want that. But if you see they have a talent or something, well, chase your dreams. Be a kid. Be a romantic. Go and chase your life. As long as you're not stupid with it. Get an education, of course, and learn something. Learn something. Have a skill of some sort. When you get to 30, 32, you're still a baby in my mind now. That's how old I'm becoming. No, you're still young enough to, to reinvent yourself and go on and and, and settle down. You're 20. I'm not saying go out, like on the piss and take loads of drugs and go to Ibiza every week, but go and experience your life. Live your life. Chase your dream because you, you can, I can not chase my dream now.
0: You can't experience happiness without being sad. Like, you can't, you can't have highs without having like mega no, lows. Yeah. So it's a, and yeah. then it, it round, more make you a more rounded person and it makes you appreciate things a lot more. So we look back and think, ah,
2: great, I had a great time. But you know, still go, no, I was great, but. Because there's always a bad. Nothing's perfect.
0: Oh yeah, my career yeah. could
2: have been so much better. Of course, <laughs> it. it could
0: been so much worse as well. But your
1: mind, the, your mindset, that makes you think that was
2: probably the reason why you were so successful. So look at the fight. You? What if no? You got wobbled against Kenny Anderson. What if you make a silly mistake again? He wobbles you again. Just by and know you'd be better fighter than Kenny. You're a good fighter, but and what if what by what about that fight changes you? Yeah, you lose yeah, your no, I trade I wouldn't trade anything in. Do you know what I mean? Like you could things could be. Worse. No, you, no, you roll you, the dice. You you be better fight than you would be. Of course, you'd be. Him and he, you know, but it was a test. And what happens there? What happens if if the, the Gale fights, which, which you won, and I thought you won? But what happens? If that goes the other way. Yeah. Now you might still have a great career, but it might have changed you. You, you just it can always be better. But things, you know these little there's little moments in your career, which are always like a roll of the dice, which kind of gone a little bit different. And opportunities, of course, that fraud thing you know, came from nowhere. Now you engineered all of that, but I mean, no—that's that changed your life. I know it was a defeat. That was the start of you changed your life because uh, you're a good fighter. You might get a world title shot, and you're good enough to win a world title shot. But it might be a, a less obscure viewing if you like yeah you know, yeah, yeah, you know, that, yeah, that, yeah that you can't pull yourself and then you know you saw the fight brilliantly Be you your strange antics and all that the boxing people know when you were boxing fans know you were it's the sports people know when you are and once you get on and you got over that yourself but that could have changed the first fight don't happen that never happens we didn't even get onto your life between
1: then and now so, uh, and we've got a fucking great feature we didn't get onto but <laughs> what we have to get which we cannot forget anymore, is a song for the playlist. Now, it could be a Ringwalk tune. Some people just stick a Ringwalk tune on. Some people put something else on that resonates with them. But as long as when people, it comes on the gym, people go, "Ah, oh, that's the Barry Jones one.
2: I would say Wonderwall by Oasis. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Why? It was just around my time, I think. Yeah, that encapsulates that era. mid nineties. and, I had, and, I, and f- I had the hair. Did so, you? Yeah, I had, I had what, the, the Lego I had the hair. Liam yeah, Gallagher hair. yeah for a little know? while. Yeah, I was in. I, I what, it was. I had a break in boxing. Well, I was undefeated. Following all title, I, had, I had like a year. I was working in Dublin. I helped build Blanchard's Shopping Centre, Blanchardstown Shopping Centre. Nice. And I was doing the fireproofing. This there, I was normal job. I was good, good money. I was. But I was I boxing. I was undefeated as a pro. I mean, I had enough. I couldn't get a title shot. I mean, I had enough of this. And I've been working. But like I was out for like 18 months Oasis were massive so I was going out to get my own drinks so I was going to Dublin all the time clubbing and all that and it was just everything with his Parker on yeah and I, the, 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 the yeah, coat man the hair the hair brushed forward and all that yeah so, Yeah, I wonder what Oasis
1: great, that's a great entry it's not on there is it we, no. get, we get quite a lot of duplicates but that's a that's a good one on there very good Barry well we'll see you again Barry because I've got another <laughs> sheets worth of questions here and a feature to get through so we'll have to get you in for part two sometime
2: sorry I do talk a bit I apologise yeah you should get, in a, get a job
1: doing that who do I I invoice George how about that then Dad? how about that then George Barry the Jones himself is in the club some of that stuff I didn't know or I knew but I'd never spoke to him
0: about it felt like his career ended so abruptly it affects the man you end up being but the fact that his career finished and there was probably still a little bit left in there means that he's now an excellent ambassador of the sport the other side of the ropes where he's still at every fight giving it the beans
1: very unflinchingly honest in there at times as well. We know he wouldn't he's going to be honest about everything and it was pretty raw at times there so we'd like to thank Barry for honesty and obviously a time there big bad Barry Jones in the club elite club member. If you want to become an elite club member though George how On God's forsaken green earth, can you do that? Hit the follow button
0: in your podcast app. You've all got podcast apps. Hit the follow button, follow us, sign up for notifications, like all our posts, review them. It means the world to us. Um, Helps us get bigger traction, which means bigger guests, better stories better episodes for you guys so yeah please do get in there and become an Elite Club member yes
1: and hit us up on the socials at GG Boxing Club on Instagram Twitter and TikTok we like to sprinkle in those big ticket big story guests like Barry Jones Barry McGuigan basically anyone called Barry but if you know of anyone else that isn't called Barry with a big long story that maybe someone that you know has a good story, just you haven't really found the means to consume that. We want to hear your ideas. Um, That comes for boxing people, non-boxing people. Get in touch. Let us know any ideas for guests. And Jonathan Woodward, the king of merch, he's done our prints, and he's been very creative in his... uh, approach to this club and we want some creativity from others send us some voice notes, send us some pictures send us some tiktoks whatever you want to do get in touch with us we are all ears aren't we he's finished our posters
0: our posters are up and running we're there they're ready who wants one
1: yeah me if you're like mark wolf and you don't know how to find the playlist where you can do it on the link tree as well and if you're listening on amazon music george you know what you can eliminate the ads
0: it's a two pod week back on Friday we've got another edition for seeing stars it is Mr Akinfenwa Bayo Akinfenwa the strongest footballer in the world on FIFA he's now taken to the world of boxing he is an MC Ooh. he had to go for his MC license which we know all about from our episode with Robert Smith so we're going to get to it with him on Friday we're
1: about to get into beast mode is that official we're going to be in beast mode rest up
0: because we were going to go full beast mode ready for beast time.
1: mode I'll see you there